Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio this evening, getting ready to record episode number 116. Got a really interesting topic for you today. We're going to talk about the transition from uh, cold weather practices where you might be indoors or practicing in in uh, less than ideal outside conditions to the uh, then jumping on a plane or jumping in the car and all of a sudden you're in Florida or Texas or California, someplace where it's hot, steamy, and how to make that transition. Before we get into that discussion, though, let's talk about our sponsors. First off, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. And again, make sure you take advantage of that EFP20. Coach Don and I really do appreciate uh, your support. It's a great way for you to save some extra money on a great bat and it'll help us at the same time. Also, if you want to help us at the same time, go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. Become a patron. If you're in a position where you can help us financially, if you appreciate what we're doing, if you see value in the podcast, we would love for you to become a patron, help to support us. Uh, Coach Don and I are always trying to do things to make the uh, podcast better. And everything that we do with the podcast basically has fees attached to it. So I mean, our patrons have uh, really done a great job of helping us, supporting us, and keeping things going. Those of you that have been with us for a while know how much better the podcast is now than it was a couple of years ago. And that's because we've got better stuff, better people, better services, all those different things. So we want to continue to do that as we go forward. So if you're in a position where you can, there's three different levels of support, patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. So Don... This topic is sort of like a walk down memory lane for me. Right. Having started off my coaching career in the beautiful state of Wisconsin. Warm and toasty you know, in the winter. Warm up there, and toasty right? in January and February when yeah. we would be getting ready to start playing. Looking at the calendar, knowing that uh, somewhere out on the horizon, uh, what might be a couple of weeks or a month or so out, uh, we're going to be jumping on the bus or jumping in a plane and going to someplace a whole lot warmer and a whole lot sweatier and a whole lot nicer to play some softball. The challenges that went along with that and things that uh, we would always be trying to be working on and simulating with those indoor practices to be as ready as we possibly could. And so one of the things that we always focused on was just being honest with ourselves, honest with our players, that there were some things that we probably were not going to be as prepared for in those early situations, early season situations, that we might otherwise be later on in the year. And so we would try to target the things that we knew we could work on and make sure that we worked really hard on them and then not drive ourselves crazy worrying about some of the other stuff that we might not have the same opportunity to work on. So again, thinking back to those days, Tori, you guys always hit the ball well. Well, You guys and, always hit. Yeah, And there were two things that we could do indoors that we were able to pretty much connect directly to what was going to happen when we got outdoors. Hit and pitch? Yeah, hitting and pitching were two things yep. that we could do. Now, the pitching was a little bit challenging because, of course, you're on a gym floor with a piece of wood taped to the floor or, or a pitching mat taped to the floor. And so it's not quite the same as you know landing in the dirt and, and, and you know digging a sure. hole and all that kind of stuff. For the most part, our pitchers could prepare really well and our hitters could prepare really well. And in a lot of cases, we could have them help each other prepare really well. 
our primary focus would always be making sure that we were as ready as possible to come out of the box ready to hit the ball. We would spend tons and tons of time working on hitting, bunting, base running, the offensive skills that we could do in the gym. And we were lucky when I was at Parkside, we had a, a field house that was basically three basketball courts wide. If we were lucky enough to get to use the whole field house, which yep. happened sometimes, didn't happen every day, but when we got to use the whole field house, we could set up a full infield and one outfield-ish. Dive like, around a little like bit. Like a short left field or a short right field, depending upon which corner we put home plate in. We had batting cages. We had plenty of spaces for drills. We had plenty of opportunities for us to work on all those different kinds of things. We also would set up situations where our pitchers would be pitching to our hitters in enclosed areas in the batting cage or in one of the gyms with the dividing net put down um, to simulate live pitching as much as we could. And so we did everything possible to hit early in the year. Yeah. And we also spent a lot of time working on base running because, again, we had enough room that we could run bases. We could you know, work on being super aggressive. You know, my, my priority list was really simple. We always worked really hard on pitching first because we wanted to know that our pitchers were going to be in as strong a position as possible. Not that they were going to necessarily be dominating, even though I was very lucky, had some dominating pitchers. Well, certainly. But we didn't want to have our pitchers feel like they were costing us an opportunity to win games. So we wanted to have enough time and have them prepared enough that they were going to throw strikes. They were going to be competent and confident enough that they you know, could go after hitters and not feel like it was some sort of strange new world that they were you know, seeing hitters for the first time in a, in a very long time. Second thing was always we worked on hitting like crazy. And we would spend, if we had a three-hour practice, we would probably spend an hour and a half or more hitting because we knew for sure that that translated really well from, you know, from in the gym to out on the field. And then the third thing was base running because we wanted our team to be really effective base runners. Now, we didn't have, you know, every kid on our team wasn't a speedster. Now, we had a mix. We had some kids that could really run. But we had some kids that could really hit that couldn't really run very well, you know, in that combination that a lot of teams have. But we wanted to make sure that we were getting really good jumps on the bases, that we were aggressive when the ball was in the dirt, that we were, you know, you know doing those kinds of things indoors to simulate those things that we knew were going to happen when we got out on the field. And that combination made up for the fact that our outfielders hadn't seen a real fly ball in a while. And so it helped us quite a bit. Yeah. No, one of the things that uh, really struck me that you said, Tori, that I think is super beneficial and helpful is seeing some live pitching too. Yeah. You know, when you're saying that you're trying to simulate that, you know, in the open training area, I think it has huge benefits because pitching machines are great. Front toss is great and all that stuff. But um, if you can see somebody throwing live, get some simulated at bats, that goes huge because it takes a few weeks or at least a few weekends for most travel teams to get comfortable with that that uh, live pitching out on tournament time right and if you can get those two weeks out of the way in indoor settings before you uh, hit the plane or hit the bus to get down to uh, warmer weather I think that you're way ahead of the game and you're going to hit the ground running the other piece is that uh, you're not able to get a lot of ground balls and in particular any bad hops you know, on a chopped up infield, you're going to have some bad hops. Uh, you'll laugh now, but I think last week we were out with, uh, at a tournament and one of the people buying the fast pit prep square cuts training disc said they were using those because if they threw them to their players, they would skip on the edge and kind of simulate a little bit of a bad hop. Right. So that might be fun for our 
folks up north that are listening to give it a try too. Yeah, no, I think that uh, there's a lot of different ways that we can simulate some of those things. I think the square cuts training discs are a really good idea. Uh, live pitching component is something that a lot of people get afraid of. They think that it's unsafe or, or a bad idea for pitchers to pitch to hitters in confined areas. And, and depending upon your attitude, depending upon your pitcher's confidence level, there might be some reason to be a little bit nervous about it. But if you're in a situation where you don't want to have a pitcher pitching to a hitter hitting live in a cage, smaller area, we can certainly have them pitch to somebody who's bunting in a small area. Sure. We can have them pitch to somebody who's slapping in a small area. And so the pitchers are still getting to pitch to somebody in the batter's box with a helmet on, with a bat in hand, trying to do something with them. And if you start with that, then the pitchers start to gain confidence. And what they figure out is that it doesn't really matter if they're out on the field and they throw a fat one right over the heart of the plate, it's coming right back at them. Just like it would if you're in a batting cage or if you're in an extra wide cage or a, you know, a gym area like we had. And so it was a great way for our pitchers to kind of keep their focus on doing a good job. The one thing that I felt was important was that the pitchers would get in this routine if they were just throwing bullpens and they never threw to hitters, or we'd have the, uh, you know, the plastic hitter dummies, the, the mannequins that would uh, stand in the box and they would pitch to them. But it was allowing them to get away with making bad pitches that looked like strikes, but probably were never going to be strikes because the hitter was going to hit them so far that the umpire would never have a chance to <laughs> call a it chance a ball to call or a strike. And so the idea then was, even if it was just a short offense scrimmage kind of thing where the, all the hitters were going to do was bunt or slap or, or push bunt or slug bunt or whatever it might be, the pitchers then to be more locked in and be more prepared. And so it was important to us to, to make sure that we tied those two things together. And of course, for our kids, you know, the ones that start off a little bit nervous about pitching to a teammate in a batting cage would start off pitching to them bunting, then pitching to them slapping. And they would kind of get bored with it after a while. And eventually their confidence would grow to the point like, ah, yeah, she can hit, it doesn't matter. I, I can yep. pitch to her in, in this setting too. But those were the things that we always <laughs> focused on. Now, there were a couple of other things that we would add in that we could work on in, inside that, you know, again, for a college level team is, is different than maybe a younger team would be worried about. But we were really good at rundowns. We were really good at first and third plays. You know, we were really good at bunt coverages. You can do that stuff in the gyms, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and even if you don't have a full gymnasium, if you've got a 50-foot by 50-foot area, you know, we've talked about the idea of, uh, you know, the pygmy infield. That's where the, the pygmy infield was born because there was a week that we weren't going to be able to get into the field house because we had an Aikido tournament going on. An Aikido? Aikido, yeah. Uh, think so, Steven Seagal. Aikido. So, and as a matter of fact, Steven Seagal was there because uh, he was one of the <laughs> featured guests so for that week, when we thought like we were going to be able to get in and practice... And Akita is a dog, right? You know, Akito. 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 Yeah. Akito is martial arts. You, you, your, your daughters with the black belts are going to be offended <laughs> right now. Because we had the Akito tournament going on, our options were not practice or practice in the racquetball room. Yep. Well, yep, yep. You, you know where I went. So all of a sudden, we were practicing infield with 12-foot bases. And because I'm a smart aleck, we had these little tiny uh, bases. Fun, fun games. Yeah. And we were, you know, we're using uh, uh, tennis balls, obviously, because you're not going to use a softball in a tiny space like that. But it was amazing how good we got at bunt coverages doing a tiny little infield because that was the only space we had. All of a sudden, the second baseman 
was so quick to react as soon as she saw the hitter square. For her, it was fun because she only had to run six or eight feet to cover first base. Didn't get wore out. So she, yeah. you know, she got a lot of reps and didn't get worn out by it. And so, you know, but all there's a lot of those kinds of things. And the one thing that we did come up with, and this is just sort of the last thing I'll throw out there, that uh, when we're stuck, given the opportunity to practice indoors, we would figure out a way to do sunball. That was a good way to term yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we would, because we had the kind of spotlight looking lights in the, yeah. in the, the roof. Bright single the, light. Yeah. Yep. And so we would position the outfielders so that when I tossed a ball up, they would be looking right at the light. And so there's lots of different ways you could do it. You could probably go out to uh, Home Depot or one of those places and get those uh, work lights that come on the stand. There you go. And simulate the sun if you wanted to for your position players. But then, and then the other part about it is when, when you get to the park, so let's say your kids all just got off the plane and we are supposed to play at one o'clock today. If you get to the airport at nine, that day you need to be at the field at 9.30 for an hour. Before they even go to the hotel, before they even get checked in, they need to get out on the field, get a little bit of work in really quickly, then go get checked in, and then go play. Feel the dirt. Right. So they feel the dirt, put the spikes on, uh, see the sun, run around a little bit so they feel the humidity, all those different kinds of things, because a lot of those different things are going to be factors too. So the opportunity to practice indoors can be a real benefit if we're smart about it. And the challenges of going from up there in the frozen tundra to down here in the beautiful southern sunshine never seemed to hurt our team. No, you guys always came out. Fortunately, sometimes ready. I think I, I yeah. wish we would have started a little bit slower because at the end <laughs> of the season, uh, we were finishing second and third to all my best friends that were winning national championships, <laughs> but that's a whole other story. So hopefully that will give you some things to think about as you're trying to prepare uh, from the colder weather or the bad weather opportunities. And there's lots of ways to make sure your team is ready to go. And uh, these are some ideas that we think will work for you in a, in a really good way moving forward. So that's going to wrap up number 116 of Coach Prep. If you have any questions, ideas, or suggestions, make sure you contact us at uh, everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Uh, again, remember our sponsors, Anderson Bat, patreon.com. For sure, go to the uh, fastpitchprep.com website, order your square cuts, training discs. As Coach Don mentioned, you can use them. Another thing we found out is you can use them for bad hop drills. Yeah. And, and a thousand other things. So uh, check them out, forty nine ninety five a dozen. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah.